Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. Hey, George, uh, I've got a phone call coming in. Hold on. Uh, Mm. It's coming from upstairs. Should I be concerned? No. Am I safe right now? Nothing to be concerned about (laughs) This guy sounds really, really angry or really, really horny. I can't tell. The moaner's calling again. I was going to say, the one time I was waiting for him to go... (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for it and it didn't happen Mm. We watched 1974's classic Black Christmas George, uh, Black Christmas, uh, it is actually a Christmas movie It's Christmas Mm -hmm. season, it's all on theme tonight How you feeling? Yep, pretty good Travis, how you doing man? Good All right. Feeling good, Lewis Now you've seen this multiple times before, (laughs) right, Travis? What, this movie? Yeah, I've you've never seen, seen this, this before. before. You've never seen no. this before. This was my first watch. Ooh, boy. Now, George, do you have notes right up uh, right up front, or do you want me to just kind of oh, put this no. movie into context and let you know what you just watched? No, I've seen this a bunch of times. Oh, there you go. <laughs> He's actually in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's um, how we learned how to use a rotary phone. I did not have, uh, I don't have notes. Yeah, just school me on this, because... At five years old, you watched Home Alone. At six years old, you watched Black Christmas. And every season thereafter, <laughs> is that it's how that basically, went down? It's basically the same movie. Black Christmas, 1974. One of the reasons it's important is because in the traditional narrative of how we got from Psycho to Halloween, the mainstream, like, somebody's writing an article for you know Time Magazine. Right? They're like, oh, hey, a new Halloween's coming out. Did you know from Psycho, there was a movie in 74 called Black Christmas, and it came on the heels of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, dot, 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 Halloween. So right. for the first time, George, we can say you have now seen every movie in the mainstream canon from Psycho to Halloween. Huh. Yeah. While I was watching this, I was thinking, why didn't we watch this earlier? Because it does... It does set up a lot of things that we've already done, but not as good as we've seen it. Well, but it's still it's not trope, obviously, because it's the original. So, it for what it was, it's but he's already seen what it what it led to. So it's almost like going backwards. Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly underwhelmed um, by this movie, and I think it's because, like you said, Travis, seen I've seen it what perfected. it evolved into. Yeah. And we've, you know, we've done this formula like so many times that it got to a point where I guess, I mean, some would say it's been perfected or it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been tested. It's been uh, trial and errored for a long time since this movie and we've gotten good at it. Right. So then we kind of like went back. So then we went back to this and not knowing that it's like the roots, I'm completely underwhelmed. But now that you know that this inspired before Halloween, this inspired Halloween. Yeah, that it makes sense now. So a couple of things. When Bob Clark finished this movie, the word on the street, right? The the folklore is that he actually explored doing a follow-up where the killer and, you know, some future victims might be back on campus for um, a fall holiday. Mm. Might have wanted to call it Halloween. Mm. 
there's discussion. We talked about this during, I think, the Halloween episode that John Carpenter and him kind of had some discussions through their people when Halloween was coming out. The production companies, you know, all the backdoor stuff we never get to see. Uh, yeah. There was before, as the babysitter, babysitter Murders becomes Halloween, there's discussions with Bob Clark about his potential plans for Halloween. So there is a universe where John Carpenter doesn't see as many Jalo in college and ends up not making Halloween at the same time that he did. And maybe you get a Halloween from Bob Clark and company, mm. which would be a follow-up to this. Now, would you consider this movie an American Giallo? No. No? No, I mean... It it hits a lot of the chords, but... It's kind of I it's, can tell. It's got a lot of uh, who's doing it going on, but it doesn't do a great job of the, you know, and then Reveal. there were none kind of Agatha yeah. Christie thing, right? You're not knocking people off who are the suspect. It's right. more of a slasher. Like, it's just a proto-slasher, yeah. I think is the best you could say. But, I mean, design-wise, like, the the cinematography and the, the way they show the killer, it seemed very giallo to it, me. Yeah, it how, has, like, everything happens in the same house. Like, it could be a stage play. And the POV stuff and the, yep, you know, the, the shots stuff, of the yeah. feet. You know, the, you get the killer's feet walking. You get, you know, you're not getting the face. You're getting the Lots full black out of a face. But mm-hmm. you're just getting an eye. Like all those things, it just seemed to me that it was very uh, European. Yeah, I would say yes, European uh, inspired, or at least similar to a lot of European movies at the time. Uh, the thing is, though, you haven't seen a lot of Gothic horror, uh, especially the Italian Gothic. And right. this movie has a lot of like haunted house, old castle feels, especially yeah. up in that crowded attic. So I think it's pulling from multiple wells, a lot of which we haven't talked about yet. Right. Uh, they did but, have a, a little bit of a feel of the Hammer films. I did, I did, from what I've seen. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It's it's got an old school feel with like a new edge. I really like that instead of a black gloved killer, you have a killer who's got no gloves, but he's in dar- in darkness. So it's like the inverse. Yeah, his hands are white, and the rest of him can't be seen. Mm. That's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know if that's an intentional flip on the trope or if it's just a fun thing that I they did. But so did they purposely have the boyfriend peter wear the same color shirt as billy yeah that's a red herring or a blue okay a, a light blue hair herring in this case because even the hair was the same like the, i basically in my mind was going oh it's got to be the it's got to be the pianist yeah i mean they set it up they set yeah. it up and you took the bait simple yeah, as that i mean and it actually it works out that you do take the bait because then the ending which, you know, we're five minutes in and we're already talking about the ending of the movie. But the ending of the movie, I think, is the best ending of a slasher movie. I'm trying to think of one I like better. Well, when I was watching, I was thinking of the, the finale of Halloween where you're getting a shot of all the rooms. You're hearing the breathing. So I'm assuming Carpenter was inspired by the ending of this movie as well. In the beginning. I mean, that whole and first person yeah. bit. In the beginning, in the attic, you're just like, oh, hey, I, I saw this again four years later, only with a kid. And kind of the idea that this house belonged to Billy before it became a sorority house, that's what I was thinking. So that's kind of a Myers house type thing, too. And a good haunted house thing, which if we ever yeah. get into Jalo uh, and Gothic a little bit more in depth, which why would we? But if for some reason we do end up mining some more 
Uh, I'm thinking of Symptoms, directed by Jose Larraz, which is very much like the, you know, if these walls could talk kind of memory of the house kind of manifested in an attic that is creepy and dangerous. Mm. Made about the same time, so... It's a it's a doesn't, common theme. Doesn't sound mainstream enough for me. No, I don't. I mean, it does have <laughs> Donald Pleasance's daughter in okay. it, so that's a connection. But like, <laughs> we're not watching Symptoms on this show, I don't think. So uh, when the movie opens, you're in a sorority house. You meet the cast all in a a tizzy. Uh, mm. George, do you know who Margot Kidder is? Is it the chick that? Um, answers the phone really aggressively. Yes, the very the aggressive. Chick who looks like she's forty-seven years very, old. Very, very aggressive phone answerer. <laughs> very aggressive. Very a lot aggressive. Of yeah. Are you familiar with her at all? She's super famous. No. No. She is. I don't think so. Anyway. Uh, famous for being Lois Lane in a little movie called Superman. Oh, I hate Superman. Okay. <laughs> all right. You hate the movie or you hate the character? <laughs> Uh, the character, mostly. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen the movie. Oh, okay. Noted for future. Maybe maybe I have. I'm we'll, not sure. We'll be doing that. Later. But oh, she's, uh, she's great. She was in... At some point. He just said, oh, God, he rolled his eyes. I think we're losing George. <laughs> uh, well, we just, we just had a, a conversation about boring-ass superhero movies. It's true. This yeah. week. So, you know where I stand on Superman. It's weak, true. Yeah. Weak character. I didn't know where you stood on zombies, either, and then I put... 10 seasons of Walking Dead. Oh, no, dude. Zombies are awesome. I'm just telling you. Freaking love zombies. By recommendation, though. What? It was by recommendation. You weren't watching that shit before. I don't know about that. I was a big fan of... You might have to watch the right superhero movies. uh, Maybe. Yeah. Dude, I've seen a bunch, though. I think with with zombies... Well, no, I've seen more than four. (laughs) With zombies, I started out with a Shaun of the Dead. Right. And I immediately liked it. Right. And then, ev- then, then all the but other... But not because of the zombies. It was more because of the humor, right? Well, it's, yeah, humor, zombies. Both. Yeah, it's all, it's all the same. It's all but, you know, and then I, you know, I saw another thing, and then I saw another thing, and then The Walking Dead was like, oh, like this is, this is rich. It's right. good stuff. So I never had a point in zombies where I was like, meh, zombies. Not even before Sean? I don't think I even thought about it before Sean. Right. But if someone came to you and said, dude, you got to watch this show on the dead. It's got zombies in it. And you're like, I fucking hate zombies. Stupid, I wouldn't say zombies. that. I wouldn't but say you... I hate zombies if I never saw any zombies. I've seen superhero movies. They suck. They're stupid. <laughs> hey, so you're a big fan Except of Jamie Dark Lee Knight. Curtis, or at least you were before we made you watch all those movies. I, I haven't checked no, in I'm lately. Still a fan. Okay, good. I'm still a fan, yes. Uh, before Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, you could make an argument that Margot Kidder was on kind of the same path. She pops up in 72 yeah. in uh, De Palma's Sisters, which is amazing. Uh, if we ever do a season of all De Palma, uh, you will see that one. He, Brian De Palma's Probably a not. genius, but it's a really good, really good flick. Then she does uh, Black Christmas, and then she does Amityville Horror. So, mm-hmm. I mean, by, oh. se- by 79, she's in three like top-tier scary movies, and then she gets Superman and uh, Superman 2. and then it all kind of goes on from there. But uh, for a while there, she had some serious horror credentials. And she was the aggressive phone answer. She's yeah. the aggressive phone answer, the, the drinker kind of partier, but like not a fun partier, more like a destructive, angry drunk, angry drunk yeah. partier. That's... Okay, I don't think... Barb. 
No, no, no. I don't think Barb is the angry phone answer. I think it's Jess. No, Jess is the main girl. Yeah. Jess is not the angry phone answer. Jess is... Not angry. Aggressive. I don't know that she's aggressive. She might be more like confident. She's not over there making like jokes and telling him to fuck off and getting threatened. That line where he goes from his manic like that kind of thing to I'm going to kill you. Right? He doesn't say that to Jess. He says that to Barb. Straight out of Scream too. Yes. When we watched Scream we... Yes. I thought thought Travis was on the level with me and I guess you hadn't seen this movie yet because I was like oh... We're going to revisit scary phone calls again. Yeah. Yeah. When he said, I'm going to kill you, I, I had the, I want to know who I'm looking at, or I want, I want to know what your insides look like. Yep. Like that, that was the moment I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So George, you really <laughs> dug yeah. the scary phone call thing in Scream. Has that waned for you? I. phone calls are scary, man. If he says no, I know why. If phone, I know exactly if phone why. calls are scary, um, I had the same reaction to the change in tone and the I'm going to kill you. Right. I had the same reaction. I thought that the the phone calls in this were not as disturbing as right. the ones in Scream. Scream the, was a stalker. They creepo. were disturbing for a different reason. They weren't disturbing like, oh my God. But they were, what was going on on the other side of that phone was disturbing it was like almost if leatherface called you on the phone like it was just Mm -hmm. it was bonkers dialogue not scary like in scream where the things he said you're like oh my like it hangs with you right because it's clear it's precise Mm -hmm. and it's it's like it's almost like his weapon yeah like he's he's stabbing you with these words is basically that character Mm -hmm. so with this it was almost like if the if the Riddler called you. <laughs> like this guy was like, <laughs> yeah, like, it's like yeah, a, which yeah, I I didn't it didn't resonate. Yeah, it was with like a funhouse right? calling you as opposed to I want to know what your insides look. I like. really yes. like yeah. how the girls look during the first call. You know, yeah. because you get Barb who's just like, oh yeah, whatever, kiss my butt, I'm not afraid of you, blah blah blah. You know, but then you get most of the other girls looking very disturbed. It was an interesting play on that. Like well, you don't often get like a group call in that scenario. This is one of the first movies that has obscene phone calls as like a plot device. And were they kind of playing off the uh, the what became a trope? The the virgins take actually no, they don't because the first victim is no, it's is opposite. the final girl. Yeah, which is yeah. again something that they Flipped. that they they toyed with and got it right. Yeah, eventually. Well, yeah, the Jess character, although she's not pure, she's she's like Sigourney Weaver strong way before the... Uh... Yeah, I'm sure that Jess is the aggressive phone answerer. After what? Because Barb talks to the killer on the phone and is like, you know... She plays with him. Yeah, yeah. like, blah blah whatever yeah. about it. But the one who answers the phone, she answers the phone multiple times... Always aggressively. I guess I never thought of her Hello? as aggressive. Hello? I thought of her Hello? as strong. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's she, thinking like a, he's thinking aggressive like I'm thinking. Like, she was just very, very uh, combative no. with the 
guy on the other yes, side. Yes. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm talking about the answerer of mm-hmm. the phone. Like she's answering the phone. Oh, you're talking like, about confidence. <laughs> she's answering the phone <laughs> like she's expecting it to be an emergency. Right. Like why every are you time, calling? every time the phone rings. <laughs> well, I mean, there's and, a lot of stuff going down. Maybe she does expect it to be important. In the first scene, she answers the phone twice. And they're having a Christmas party. Now, do you know who Olivia Hussey is? Do you know Jess? No, I don't know who she is. So Olivia Hussey, Jess, uh, played Juliet in like the famous Romeo and Juliet Romeo movie and Juliet, from yeah. the late 60s. The one that they show in every high school in the public yeah. school system. She's kind of stunning. She okay. might be the prettiest woman that's ever yeah. lived. I'd like to see her all done up. Because she's kind of plain Jane in this, but it's still beautiful. But she's not all. She's kind of like Jamie Lee Curtis, that same thing, that plain Jane. She's know, just, she's no Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, uh, but uh, she actually ends up in a weird twist of like careers and stuff, uh, playing Mrs. Bates, Norman's mother. Oh uh, yeah. In uh, yeah? Psycho Four, which is a prequel, it's very weird. Mm. That she goes from Juliet to Jess to Norman's mom, but that's Hollywood, mm. I guess. Yeah. Hmm. It's very strange. It's a good cast, though. You got John Saxon back. Yeah, we got John. We love yeah, John, John Saxon. John Saxon. You remember Did you him. Recognize him or <laughs> he was the one next to Johnny Depp. Did you like did you like how I said that? Like I knew who the fuck you're talking no, about. No, we knew you didn't know who he oh, was. Oh yeah, John Saxon. The yeah. Cop. Familiar face. He's been a cop in like four movies we watched him <laughs> dude, in. I, dude, the cops are like nope. They had, cops don't have faces in any of the these. The main movies. cop. The the guy who's kind of like the dad. The detective. The detective the yeah, dad. He the was one the was dad like, in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, he's the dad character. The dad character. Like in this movie, he's he's the he's the detective. He's the detective that like gives a shit. But he's also the dad in Elm Street. He's her, yeah, he's Nancy's father. In also Cash a Street. lieutenant on the police force in that one. He's kind of got okay. a, a typecast. Yeah, he definitely looks gotcha. like a cop. Gotcha. <laughs> like when I think of a when I was growing up and I thought of a cop, that was him. Gotcha. He's in Tenebrae and he has a heck of a time. But you guys mm. see that? Is lady? he also a lieutenant in the uh, police? <laughs> No, actually, department. in that one, he is a press agent, I believe, for an author. Okay. Yeah. Is he still dreamy? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's pre Elm Street, so yeah. He, he's, he's so chiseled. He's a good-looking <laughs> dude. Uh, Can we talk about Mrs. Mack? Only no. if we acknowledge that Mr. Harrison looks like Michael Keaton in like stage wig and makeup. Is Mr. Harrison the actual dad? The, dad the, who's the actual dad daughter. who's looking for his yeah. daughter. He looks like Michael Keaton for his for his virgin daughter. He reminded yes. me of Mr. Noodle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from from Elmo. He reminded Mr. me. Noodle. He reminded me of Grandpa Joe as well. well. Okay, got two Grandpa Joe lookalikes in a row. <laughs> back to back, Grandpa Joe. Uh, to go to Miss Mrs. Mac, which blew my mind that she's Mrs. Mac because somebody married her. Um. And that she's currently married. Uh, she she's the be- drunk. She's the drunk, right? Yeah. Do you have to be currently married to be a Mrs.? No, you can be a widow. Okay. Um, she reminded me of Mrs. Garrett from Facts of Life. <laughs> like, I was getting a Facts of Life vibe from this movie. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah. if you think about the show, it's this movie. Without yeah, basically. The, yeah. You know, uh-huh. George Clooney was calling these girls on the phone and trying to kill them. <laughs> it would be a really good movie if it was George Clooney. 
If you ever deep dive into uh, weird 70s proto slashers, she's also in the same year in a movie called Deranged, in mm-hmm. which she plays like an over the top seductress. Ew. God help me. Ugh. Woof. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a weird movie too. You shouldn't watch it. It's all right. It's fine. Deranged is early Tom Savini. So uh, there's that. Season 35. Uh, we'll get around to Deranged. That was the best placement. That was the best nipple placement ever. Oh my God. That's That was like when I, when I used to listen to Howard Stern. Yeah. And I listened to it so much that I was basically you knew doing, when the drop was coming i no, i knew when fred was going to hit a soundbite yeah and i would do the soundbite yeah, before drop, fred would thing. okay yeah. drop that's what that was like yeah <laughs> if i had a button for wolf and <laughs> you would beat right me there. to it oh man wolf now the part where she opens up the gift from the girls right this like moo moo mm-hmm. robe th- yeah. i don't know nomenclature for clothes because i'm a, a dude that wears t-shirts and jeans right. every day but I would call it a smock. Okay. I'll it take like smock. A smock. That sounds like blouse. a fun word. Uh, it's like a I don't, night clothes. Night, a, night, a nightgown? A moo moo? Can I just call it a, a moo moo? I know what a moo moo is. <laughs> In this case, we'll call it a moo moo. I'm going to Google <laughs> moo moo real quick. Well, moo moo is like a Hawaiian dress. I just think about Homer and his moo moo working no. from home. Yeah, where am I, moo moo? Which I guess now that I work from home, I need to be careful of that. <laughs> Marge, huh. get me my moo moo. So yeah, she, it's, it's like a moo moo. She yeah. receives the okay. moo moo, right? And she, you, you know, she plays to the camera that she hates it, and she turns to show everybody that she's grateful because she's a good person with a soul. But did that remind you at all of another Christmas movie, George, where a person might get a pink bunny outfit mm. and have to hate it, but still has mm. to put it on? Did you get kind of that kind of vibe? I didn't think that when I saw it, but now I do. Didn't they do that face when they got socks? <laughs> they did kind of do Ran- that face. Him and Randy, yeah. they did the, the roll of the eyes and they yeah. threw the socks behind the Now, tree. George, uh, this movie's directed by a fellow named Bob Clark. Are you familiar with Bob Clark at all? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Dick Clark's brother. I thought he was he played for the Flyers. It was... um. <laughs> No, I'm not familiar with that person. Bob Clark, uh, famous for... uh, One of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. Black Christmas, of course. He made Porky's. Um, Mm. And, I mean, back in 83, he he made a movie. You've probably not seen this one, George, because you've never seen shit. But have you ever heard of a movie called... It's a small small budget, uh, probably mostly forgotten movie. (laughs) Uh, George, have you ever heard of a movie called A Christmas Story. Of course. Did you know it's directed by the same guy? No. Isn't that wild? That is wild. What's funny is the opening shot. It was my first note. I like A Christmas Story better. (laughs) I was like, the exterior shot is straight out of A Christmas Story. Yeah. Like, this house with the Christmas... It's like, that's how basically that movie starts as well. Yeah, he just needed the narrator in this one. Yeah. Doesn't it start with like, I mean, the Christmas story, it starts with, like, uh, the dad, like, cursing at the furnace, doesn't it? Sure. But they show the exterior of that house a bunch of times from the street, just like this. Yeah, but as they're zooming into it, you hear him cussing in the the vents. 
<laughs> the Bumpus's dogs. I love that movie. It's wild to me that he made both these movies, but he, Man, yeah, he's yeah. kind of a you know, he's no John Carpenter, right? He's not a style guy. He is a gun for hire, gonna make every movie watchable and and good. More of a Spielberg than a Carpenter. I didn't even that? know he made Porky's. That make, that makes it even better because that's like three completely different movies. Yeah. I had a Porky's the other day. Did you? Yeah, totally tore up my stomach. Nice. Nice. Oh, jeez, Louise. It wasn't called the Miss. What was her name? Tech. Tech. What was the teacher's name? <laughs> Ballbreaker. Mrs. Ballbreaker. They call her Ballbreaker, but her last name is like Ballbreaker. What? You'll see. The Someday. teacher. You'll Should see. You'll teacher? see because we're watching Porgies. <laughs> oh, okay. It's from Porgies. Yeah. Okay. From a movie you haven't seen yet. I haven't seen for the, twenty the years. Scene, there's a scene in Porgies that we have to watch the whole movie just for one scene. It's the maggots of Porgies. No. It's <laughs> the legs cross, uncross it's, of Porky's. Everything in Porky's is good, but there's a scene. There's a particular scene that, actually it's two, but there's a, one particular scene that I remember pissing myself watching. Yeah. Like, I literally peed my pants. Nice. Funny. Not nice. scared. So uh, take your wee-wee break uh, before you watch Porky's yes. so you don't ruin your couch, <laughs> is what Travis yeah. is saying. It's pretty hilarious. And I think the one of the people in that scene is in this movie as well. I think he's the one who plays uh, Nash. Uh, Nash. The cop. Nash? The cop Nash. that didn't know what fellatio was. Isn't, oh, my God. Isn't his name Douglas McGrath? That's Sergeant Nash. Yes. On the, yes, that's on the, the guy job. I think is in Porky's. I have to look it up. So he's, he, uh, he's in that scene. Yeah, he's Coach about. Warren okay. in Porky's. Is he? Is he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now, guys, Travis is like, "Yes, I'm not full of shit." Yes. <laughs> well, it was like my saying this movie won an Oscar out of my ass, and I didn't know it, and <laughs> and it was true. <laughs> so, Desk Sergeant uh, Nash, he shows up. Uh, the character shows up almost verbatim in the Town that Dreaded Sundown, which came out a couple of years after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that movie, he's just like a slapstick moron. Like, at least here, Nash is like a competent policeman who just needs to get out more. Yeah. Uh, by the time you get to town, the dreaded sundown, the desk sergeant is just like the most incompetent boob. Don Knotts. It's like yeah, yeah it's a Don. Uh, it's like the music gets good. It, that yeah. movie is tonally all over the place. And and the was cop, he in one? Of, was he one of the cops in uh in that in Road Games? Oh oh, worse than the Road Games cops. The Road oh, Games God. cops were much closer to Nash than the town town cops. But Whoa, that's bad. I'm telling that's you, like, that movie is tonally all over the place. First scene, very scary. As you've seen, it gets goofy and yeah. you didn't see the depth of the goofiness. Like you need yeah, to watch like that whole the, movie at some a, point. It gets weird. You would think at some point the killer was going to kill somebody with a trombone. Uh, oh, wait, that happened. God, that movie yeah. is so good. I need to watch that again. It's been a while. <laughs> great mask though. Great mask. Great mask. Great, great rage. Scene. Great rage. Great pickaxe. For, Pretty good with a yeah. pistol. Uh, Guys, fellatio 20880. Uh, <laughs> George, how familiar are you with fellatio? I mean, how familiar are you with uh, the old phone number system? Do you know why they say fellatio at the beginning of that exchange code? Do you have any idea what's going on in that scene? Because you're young mm, and... He knows what fellatio is. I know. It, well, yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> Did he have to Google the it? Old, the old yeah. phone number he, scheme? He looked it up on the dial-up. I didn't... Yeah. I don't know the, the phone number scheme. So, like, in Kansas City, we have an area of town called Westport. And so mm-hmm. the numbers around Westport would begin with the uh, prefix of Westport 1. 
And so if you look at your phone, of course, do, do they even have it on cell phones anymore? Hmm. Uh, I know what yeah. you mean. There's okay, so, letters yeah. associated with each. Yeah. yeah. So in Westport, all the numbers would be uh, it's nine T9, I believe. Nine three one. So if you like old TV commercials, especially, uh, they still play them sometimes locally just for nostalgia. Be Westport one seven one hundred or whatever. Yeah, seven three one. It just back then your prefix was determined by your area. As things got gotcha. more complicated, they had to lose that scheme. And they just assigned numbers because. That's what they had to do. Well, well they already had numbers, code. but they couldn't. They couldn't still just assign numbers right. based on yeah. Right, but the numbers aren't aren't associated with. Do any we need to break a map out? Anything? Should probably break a map out. Uh, it's yeah. too it's dark for the helicopter to take cards. off. I love so. maps. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah. I get it. It's the it's the area code of the time. The the next three after the area code. Hmm. In a seven digit we, number, the first three. We numbers. never really had that in Jersey. I've oh, you did, but you just. Maybe they maybe Jersey's populated enough that they code. gave up earlier. Yeah, the area code. I I mean I'm 46 and I don't remember ever dialing a letter before anything. I remember using letters in like to call. Like they would have. Well, let's see. They would spell shit out in let's their phone see. number. What was what would um what are the. Right, let's actually let's not do this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So this Voorhees, is this Haddonfield. way predate. I mean, it was going out of fashion by the time you get to this movie. So by seventy four, okay. seventy five, people aren't doing this anymore. But in the sixties, as the telephones are becoming you know, like mainstream, and you have uh, mass integration by neighborhood, that's how they're doing the the phone numbers. Gotcha. So Felatio is hilarious. And also a good opportunity to discuss the history of our infrastructure, guys. Wow, glad we went there. It's awesome. What's next? <laughs> so they hook that poor old lady straight up chainsaw style. Nice oh, yeah, that's good. screen kill, lots of screaming, lots of... Uh, I like the, uh, the dangling feet. Yeah. The dangling feet. Oh, yeah. I was angry at that scene because they took me out of it. How did it take you out of it? She does this goofy like stare like she kind of like automatically goes right to the I guess Billy is holding the hook waiting to throw it at her mm -hmm. and she's kind of like she hears the noise and whatever and it's it's very tense and then all of a sudden she like looks right at him and she doesn't react to the it's almost like there's way too much time mm -hmm. that goes she could have dropped out of there she could have moved she just waited for yeah, this thing to, to hit her in the face. Deer in headlights, like, I yeah, guess. Yeah, just it, it seemed goofy because of the look she gave him. Or maybe she's, she's already maybe goofball. she's wondering yeah, if no. she's really seeing what she's seeing. It took me out. Also, I think but that I hook like would have just smacked thing. her in the head yeah, and knocked her, her over. Yeah, it wouldn't have hooked her. You know. Yeah. But you no, have to it was time cool. it just cool. right, and like you know, like that hook. It's it's like a toe hook. It's yeah. blunt. Yeah. You know. But no, it it definitely was a cool uh, chainsaw but, moment. Yeah, but if you just take common sense out of it and just say, okay, she got hooked by it, and it lifted her up, and her feet are still dangling in the Hardly access in the ceiling, in is good. Yeah, dangling feet in the ceiling access is good. Good stuff. Yeah, the Carpenter might have got that from this movie as well. When did he do that? To not do so much blood. There's hardly any blood in this movie. I think what happens is yeah. up through Halloween, there just isn't a lot of blood in these mainstream movies. And then Friday the 13th is, kicks the door wide open with that. And then from then on, blood everywhere. 
So you can thank Mr. Tom Savini. Yes. For uh, always changing it. Friend of, friend of the show. Well, I thought of him during this movie because the blood on Peter was like orange. <laughs> 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 I was like, that's some three in blood right there. Now, this movie comes out in 74. We've already talked about one movie that came out in 1974, George. Do you remember when we talked about a little movie called Godfather Part 2? Yeah. You remember when I said that back in 74, they were putting abortion into every movie they could? Yeah, sure were. Yes. Yeah. Here we are. Big time, yep. uh, big time plot point. Now, do you think it was, uh, I think with this movie, it was obviously in the script. Yeah. But in Godfather 2, it was added on set yeah they they set that whole red herring up around the threatening boyfriend yeah so it's integral to the plot but yeah so Hmm. there it is i i liked it better in uh godfather um yeah i think it had more purpose i think this guy would have been suspect a minus that subplot well as soon as he takes takes the mic stand to the piano you're like oh this guy might not be well balanced well, yeah, just mm. his behavior. He was very strange on purpose, even even minus that that back and forth with them and, and the baby and all that stuff. Like, he was just unhinged. wasn't necessary to have that in there, I don't think. Didn't change the story at all. Although Billy does mention some creepy baby stuff while he's on the phone, so. Yeah, yeah they that's don't. only because he heard, he heard it. He heard them talking about it. No, I mean, like, in his back and forth with uh, Agnes, he was saying stuff like that, too. His little, like, one-act play where he plays both crazy roles yeah. screaming at himself. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting choice not to give him any backstory and just make you, like, pick and choose what you can from the, the phone calls as to what's actually going on with this dude. That's kind of interesting. Mm. You don't see that a lot going forward. It's not great for branding, right? Like, you're not going to make a franchise out of a guy who you don't know anything about. Still pretty scary, right. though, when you literally have no idea what this is that's threatening you. Mm. True. It's the opposite of Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like Psycho, too. Yeah, it's yeah. very Psycho, but with less backstory for Norman. Yeah. And the random killing of the girl out in the, the park. That part always throws me. I don't know that it's definitively linked to Billy the killer guy. Like, I think you're supposed to assume... That he's out there killing her too, but like, you could probably make a pretty cogent argument that it's a killing that happens that distracts the police and allows Billy to thrive in the house without him actually necessarily being involved in the killing yeah, it's of like, the park. It's like John Rambo going into your town and blowing shit up <laughs> to distract you so he can find, you know, the other building. So he blows up this building, sends all the cops to that building, and then he goes to the other building. Maybe he just did that. I think he probably killed the girl, though. I think it was more, but not for the reasons that he's killing these girls. I think he either she stumbled upon him doing something, or like you're saying, he killed somebody as a distraction so he could do what he needed, what he wanted to do. Because obviously he has a connection to that house. I think that the movie doesn't tell you and no, you tell you by you watching have to, it. You have to make an assumption. A lot. And I think that uh, whatever assumption you make... You're right. ...is correct for you. Yeah. Well, the only reason I come to that conclusion is the attic c- contains a lot of objects that would not be in a sorority. Mm. 
like there's a hobby horse up there. Mm-hmm. There's a rocking chair. There's a lot of there's like, a bird cage. It's a bird cage. There's a lot of children's stuff. Like I, I, I was picturing that he lived in that house as a kid. That's his family's house. Whatever it is yeah. that he keeps portraying on the phone with his sister or his mom or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the killing the, the the child being found in the park. Like you you right. automatically assumed it was him and he's doing it for this motivation and like the you know the movie doesn't uh no, they leave it s- open doesn't say any of that and i took it as i mean i i don't know i was i guess i kind of just you know in american law fashion was like oh well it's nobody everyone's innocent until they're proven guilty right so right. i can't i can't just pin that on him it could not be him it could be someone True. else i also thought of um just now um, Patton Oswald and his wife, who's passed away. Yeah. Um, but she was a I want to say crime scene investigator, but a cold case investigator yeah. kind of thing. And she would always say that um, that life is random, and mm. and the only thing that you can do is be kind. That was her thing. Well, and she's the one who really made the Golden State Killer like a mainstream issue. Was that her? Yeah, Michelle McNamara, late wife of Patton Oswalt. She was the author of All Be Gone in the Dark, which was the giant project that brought the Golden State Killer, gave him his name, uh, combined a bunch of different uh, open cases into one name and one guy, and helped bring investigative attention back to the case, which eventually uh, the investigators uh, caught the guy and got him convicted. That's her. Her book is the one that really made it like a thing that we all talked about for a couple of years. There you go. And, you know, we I brought her up in the um, the Halloween, Halloween. episode yeah. because that was taking place during his reign. This movie predates his reign, right. though, which is weird. Like, what the hell was going on in 1970 to 74? The Carpenter, Carpenter said he wasn't thinking of that. Well, yeah. He had, <laughs> yeah. He, it all came from him. He never thought about anything yeah. that had ever happened in the world. Yeah, he was like, yeah. <sighs> yeah, but with that little girl, or I don't even know if it was a girl, it just was a child. Was a little girl. What did it say, girl? Okay. Yeah. So with the with the girl dead in the park, I just thought life is random. Hmm. And it may or may not be this dude, you know? Yeah, well, and that's yeah. the thing with, you know, the thing with horrible people, uh, tragedy will happen randomly, but a horrible person will never miss the opportunity to maximize their own gain from a tragedy right so whether he caused the murder of that poor child or if that was something unrelated he benefited from it and maximized it by continuing to off those poor girls in the sorority house see so this movie has a lot in common with the old uh babysitter scary story you've probably heard before george although i don't know when you grow up in george's house you might not talk about the Call is coming from inside the house. Have you ever heard that story? Mm. It's like one of the oldest trope, like scary stories that people would tell at parties and stuff. I knew of it from, I think, like in the 80s, there was a movie called When a Stranger Calls. Yes. Which is starring our friend from Scrooge, uh, Carol Kane. You know, the fairy, the... yeah. Uh, yeah. The Chris, Christmas present. Yeah, fairy. she was uh, the abusive fairy. Yes, yes. She bitch hit me with a toaster. Bitch hit me with a. <laughs> she's the Je- she's the Jess character in that movie. Okay, 
So she's home, but she, it's more she's home alone. It's not like she's in a sorority. Right. Like, I believe a lot of it's it's the same concept. And then they, the cops tell her, you know, the calls are coming from inside the house. But it wasn't, a, there's, I didn't know this movie existed. So whenever someone made reference to that, I always thought, thought of that down. movie. Yeah. But that's like, what, six years after this. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, by the time I came up in the late 80s, it was just a, a story that even like on one of the Halloween Simpsons, one of the early ones, uh, they kind of cut to Lisa telling that story in a tree house and she's doing the last line. Oh, it's, you know, it's too late. They're calling from inside the house. And Bart's like, ugh, heard it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so by, yeah. by 1990, 1991, that is just like, you know, been there, done that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if it predates Black Christmas and is just a good old fashioned story, but uh, When a Stranger Calls, definitely the same kind of idea. It was creepier in Stranger Calls because the guy was not, he was more like Scream. Mm-hmm. He would talk to her in a normal voice. And all he would say to her is, have you checked the children? Well, and see, I wonder if... She was babysitting. Right. I wonder if you don't get that and you don't get Scream if you don't have this movie. No, I don't... Everybody that sees this... And, you know, the story itself might be older. I, I, I don't know the history of that story. But the thing about Black Christmas is they really go for it, right? He says the C word. He says all kinds of gross things mm-hmm. and like they're really mm-hmm. pushing oh, as hard as they can to make this like real fucked up. Well, then you have the turn. I'm going to kill you. Hits so hard that after that, mm-hmm. I think people realize, oh, when he calls, he needs to be more that unless the other guy. Yeah. 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 Another part of the formula that wasn't quite right that they got right. Well, and the thing you need right, to remember, eventually. George, is your knowledge of the formula kind of stops with Scream. We didn't really do much after that. After Scream, mm-hmm. the whole, like, virgin is the surviving one is the new thing that they play with. So when you talk about, oh, they got the formula right, and now, like, the good virgin survives, like, in Halloween, well, that worked for, like, 10 years. But after that, now they play with it, right? Like, they know that you know the the good one is going to survive, so, like, that's no longer as... Mm, that yeah. formula it doesn't work anymore right it's played out so now we do new things well the thing in the 90s was making the killer like a mousy female that you didn't expect or, that's an argento mm, move they borrowed they yeah. took that from him because i remember what was the movie where um was it urban legend those kind of movies where the killer is is a girl and you're not expecting it because you're so into that trope that it's going to be a guy and right. there's no mother involved, so it's not a Mrs. Voorhees type situation. And then you find out it's like, man, that shit fucked me up <laughs> in such a good way. But yeah. yeah. Well, no. speaking of that, the 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 thing I kept that kept popping up when they started showing the police station, I started thinking that Nash was the killer because he mm-hmm. was so weird. Mm-hmm. But then when they had the Felicio moment and he, I sh- you saw how Gomer Pyle he was, he was just dumb. Mm-hmm. There was no way that he was making those phone calls. So, and he wasn't playing it dumb. He was fucking dumb. He was dumb. Right. Yeah. So I, that's when I wrote him out. But then I started hearing the laughing of that other cop. Oh, Giggly Cop. Mm. I liked Giggly G- Cop. Giggle I felt, Cop. I felt like he and I both had the same feelings toward Felicio guy. Right, but I when I heard his laugh, it reminded me of the laugh on the phone call. And then I noticed every time I saw him, he had a bandage on one of his fingers. 
And I was like, well, maybe that's an injury from being the murderer. And then the murderer has that same giggly laugh. So I was like, okay, maybe he's the killer. But then I then then the red herring was the boyfriend, and I still to this day thought he was the killer till the very end was the killer because he had the same shirt on, and the hair was the same. So I was like, okay, they're just right playing with shadows, but it's him. And then when they have the final ending, that's when you're like, oh, okay, they're just they're just doing this. I think you, Travis, are really going to enjoy Tenebrae when we get to it, because the English okay. dub is good. You don't have to do the subs thing. Uh, there's not a lot of goofy acting and the quirky stuff is mostly minimized and you'll spend the whole movie doing that exact thing. Like, Oh, it's gotta be them. Oh, it's gotta be them. Oh, I've got it figured out. I think it's them. And then you'll see if you were right. And if there's any actresses in there that make me think like the, I watched this whole movie going, I know who that, who plays Phil. I know who that is. Phyllis, I guess it's short for Phyllis. The, I'm looking at her, I'm like, I recognize her, I don't know why I know her, and I'm sitting here staring at the credits, and it says Andrea Martin, and I'm like, holy shit, it's Andrea Martin who from SCTV, and right. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and like, she's a comedic genius, and to see her in this movie, I'm like, oh crap, it's crazy. Yeah, that, that... and she comes back later and plays uh, Miss Mack in the 2006 remake of okay. this movie. Which I do not recommend. It's not great. Uh, no, I heard horrible things about it. It's kind of, she's if I were great. to compare it to anything, it's kind of got the Rob Zombie thing where they're just trying too hard to over-explain the background of this killer guy. Right. And don't they give him a mask and stuff? I don't remember if there's a mask. Like they, I just remember the first bit was so like crass and unnecessary that I actually turned right. it off the first time. It took me years to come back and be like, okay, I'll just get through that. And maybe it'll be fine. And then... A bunch of like the same people who were in every movie in 2006 are in it. So like mm. uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Michelle Trechtenberg, yeah. like all these people that were in all these other slasher type movies in that same era are all here. So that's kind of fun. But it's still, yeah. it doesn't hold a candle to this. And Probably because they're missing <laughs> every nuance that makes this movie what it is to people. Like Who I don't think. nuance when you've got more blood, more gore. Right. right. Exactly. More incest. What? Ugh. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, what's up? It's about the uh, way telephones work. Yeah. The call is coming from the house. Yeah. Yeah. So there have to be two lines. There were. They acknowledge the that there are. They but they kind of play it. it down right away. Which if you're keen, you might catch on and be like, oh. That's a tell. Yeah. Like they did that on purpose. Yeah. As soon as he said it, I actually wrote it down. I wrote down uh, as soon as the cops established that there were two lines in the house, I knew what was up. And then I wrote down Nash. But then I was like, no, that's not him. <laughs> so yeah, they say it uh, that the uh, the house mother had her own line. But there hadn't been any ta- calls on tapping. that line, right? There, right. there hadn't been any obscene phone calls reported on that number. It's like, well, yeah, because they're right. all coming from that number. Coming from that number. Go yeah. on, movie. Go on. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they covered okay. that base. I guess that's, that's all I... I was like, oh, I, there's, a se- there's a secret phone line, but I guess it wasn't secret. The wiretap, like the scenes of the guy at the phone company was interesting because I never knew that's... It was that intricate. Watching him run run through that giant phone company thing is my favorite scene in the movie. And I love the end of this movie so much that that should be my favorite scene because it gives me the the heebie-jeebies every time. But man, 
it's just such a cool relic of a bygone era. You're never going to get that yeah. cool a scene with that kind of blocking without making it a period piece now. Right. It reminded me of Strange Love a little bit for some reason because it was like all white and he was like the contrast running around in there. It was chaotic. Yeah, there's something about the scale like, of it too. It's so big. Yeah. It's like the big board, right? It's just that much bigger in scale than the humans in front of it. It's the <laughs> big board. It's a big board. That's a big board. <laughs> <laughs> so the end of this movie, we already kind of touched on it. George, did it not give you the heebie-jeebies that she's laying there and she thinks she's safe and they think she's safe and they don't realize that the whole time he's in the attic waiting to come out? It did not give me the heebie-jeebies. You have no soul. Go on. Because I did not suspect the boyfriend. What's his name? Peter. Peter. I didn't. You didn't? No. Well, it doesn't matter if Fine. you suspect because Peter. The, because it matters if the cop suspects Peter because now they suspect Peter is the killer and you know he's not. You have dramatic right. irony play and she's going to sleep in that room unprotected. Well, apparently the guy killed her. If you wa- if you Yeah, if follow you follow the, the movie, yeah, she's definitely dead. She's dead because he was the coming out of the, the credits roll and the phone call. Yeah, cuz he always calls right. after he kills so. And nobody's um, going to stop him. Yeah. Nobody did. <laughs> no, it didn't give me the heebie-jeebies. Have you guys checked the uh have you checked because the attic lately? Uh. I don't when know. was the last time you were in one. your attic, Travis? Uh I I my kids sleep in the attic, so I'm up there a lot. Yeah. Oh, do they have their own phone line? No. Any plastic they bags? They're very dangerous those children. <laughs> they are dangerous. That's true. They yeah. should come with a warning. They do. <laughs> yeah, no, the the very end didn't I was just like, okay, uh yeah, she's effed. I don't know, man. I would just like I watched this movie with with zero uh, uh investment in any of the characters the entire time. I don't know. Hmm. We watched it at the wrong time, I think. I don't know. I mean, it's Christmas. <laughs> I watched this a couple of years ago with my wife's family. They'd never seen it. And I was just like, "Oh, hey, it's on Prime." Uh, I'm going to watch this because nobody was around. And then within 10 minutes, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law had all like come to the living room, sat down and kind of got engrossed in it. And, right, and so right I kinda... around when he's talking about their pink. Yeah, no, they made it through bleep, the whole movie. And they were totally cool. And I, I applaud <laughs> them for their kind of, uh, yeah, they've got good taste though. I mean, I appreciate them sticking it out. They all enjoyed it. Actually, uh, my father-in-law enjoyed it most of all, and he was the last person I thought would enjoy it. So mm. I was impressed. Hmm. It's a good flick, guys. And important. I mean, you know, you don't get Halloween if you don't have Black Christmas, which is yeah. bonkers that they're like, hey, we're going to kill a bunch of babysitters. We're going to maybe borrow maybe some information from these Lindsay movies, and we're going to make a movie like that only here. Well, hey, Black Christmas, let's make this one Halloween. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. I probably would have um not liked this movie if I didn't know why it was important. Cuz it just to me it seems sloppy compared to the other movies that I've seen and love. Because I skipped over this movie. I went right to Halloween. Like I didn't watch movies prior to that that were of this genre. I think that's where I'm at. That's exactly yeah. where I'm at. So it's like, I'm always going to compare everything to Halloween, even though this inspired that. If that makes yeah. sense. 
And I watched it not knowing that this was like the the first slasher ever, basically. Right. Well, we can't tell you stuff like and that. And if you told yeah, but if you told me that, I'd be like, Okay. Yeah. Well there you go. Yeah. Well, while that's creative. Uh, Look at that. While your shutter account is still open, watch it again sometime this weekend. Watch it with okay. Meg. It doesn't have anything that she wouldn't put up with. And then see if you yeah. like it more the second time now that you know the context and see if maybe Next time we should just give you a heads up as to why you're watching it before it's watched. Although I still feel like that's cheating. Mm. Cheating. Cheating. <laughs> you're cheating. Yeah, I don't know, man. I can't, Yeah, I kind of feel like if... I I think if on he its, knew on the its importance... Own, on its own, the movie's not that good. Oh. Right. But... It's like prom in, night. In context, it's great. Right. You know? I know. Th- I think you would have watched it more uh, tentatively if you knew why you were watching. And it. maybe I would have given yeah. a crap about the characters too. Yeah. If you knew why you were watching it, because there is a lot of subtle things would, going on. Yeah, I gotta watch it again because I gotta, I gotta like, like analyze it for stuff that you know, stuff that makes it to other movies, and you know, like, like that may before or may this not movie, have been done even before. even like Texas Chainsaw, which is the same year. Females are just damsels. They're just, and this movie's full of females, and they're all basically cattle. They're gonna, they're lined up, Mm -hmm. but they're written in a way that you start seeing, especially the Jess character. Like she's, she's strong throughout. She's like Laurie Strode, but seems to have a lot more going on in her life. She's not. No, the character, not Jamie Lou, Jamie Lee. I'm just kidding. But just, you just can't has, compare anyone to JLC. Well, look at J. If characters. you look at Laurie Strode, she really had nothing going on in her life other than babysitting children. She didn't have a love life. She didn't have school problems. She was a good student. Like she didn't have any problems. This woman here seemed like she was dealing with a lot. Well, and this could have been Jamie sure. Lee. I mean, uh, Jamie, This could have been Laurie Strode. I don't want to conflate the two for George's sake. But right. This could be Laurie Strode if Halloween doesn't happen. And she gets to college, it wouldn't be much of a right. stretch to be like, this is where she ended up. Right. Yeah, this is like Scream 2. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Sydney in college. Which is ironic because the Billy character is basically, uh, he's Michael Myers. He's obviously either escaped from an insane asylum or be- definitely belongs he's in one. He's definitely stuck in a child uh... child's mind. Yeah, and he's he's connected to that house mm-hmm. for some reason. Yep, and he lots and lots and lots borrowed. Here. But he seems like he's suffering from trauma. Like if I were reading what he says on those calls as yeah. any in- indication of what he's been through, he's more your Rob Zombie Michael Myers than your like actual Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know if he's the cause of this of the trauma. It sounds like he did. It sounds like Agnes is like his sister, and I think he might have killed her. Or there sounds like maybe some sexual abuse. Like he says something like, don't tell him what we did. Like there's just a lot of thing. There's it's a, a hot lot mess, of baggage man. there. There's a lot of baggage there yeah. <laughs> that they're not talking about. Yeah. So that attic full of stuff, if that it belongs to his family, if that stuff in that attic was stuff left over from when they lived there and that's his childhood stuff. He's Michael Myers. There's a lot of shit going on in that attic that yeah. we don't know about. Yeah. And we don't need to know about because I'm going to be consistent. I like not knowing 
Mm-hmm. I like the little nods here and there to make you assume stuff. I just didn't like not seeing his face. So was Mrs. Mack his mother? Yes, she's Mrs. Lippman. <laughs> <laughs> I would say absolutely not. No way. Oh, was she that great big fan person? <laughs> With the drinking problem? She's well, you definitely need to watch this again, George. Now that you have more context, uh, give this another shot. And really, have Meg watch it, because I think she'd enjoy okay. it. What are we doing next, Travis? Uh, we? Black New Year. <laughs> New Year's Evil. New Year's Evil. Yeah, that's <laughs> Ugh, that's one of the now, ones I can't even make it through. That's boring as hell. We are going to watch a movie. Mm. You know what? I, I think I think we're ready for this one. All right. We are going <laughs> to watch a movie that was made by this man that we're not sure if you've seen before. Or this not. man. This man, uh, Mr. Bob Clark. Mr. Clark. Okay. Mr. Clark. Uh, have you ever seen a Christmas story? Yeah. No, we're not doing that. Okay. We're going to watch Porky's. Porky's. Awesome. We're watching. I Porky's. can't wait to piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> I so hope you good. do, man. I hope you do. <laughs> I, I have not watched this movie in a long time and I'm so happy I'm watching it. Yeah. We're watching Porky's. Cool. I don't want to tell you anything else about it, although it sounds like I need to so that you appreciate what we're showing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and stop threatening to quit after, before every episode. <laughs> no, is it a good movie? It's a classic. It then is. I don't need context. It might be the movie that Travis is always thinking of when he says that they can't make movies anymore like they used oh, to. Oh, God, no. This movie is not Then I, Then today. I'll be fine. I'll just you, watch it. You'll be fine. Thank you for joining us on the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us at Twitter and Instagram at Remedial Film Pod. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod. And you can join our group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Remedial Film Pod. We'll be back next week with the comedy classic, Porky's. 